eternal father we proclaim this evening that your name is higher and your word is higher than every other word your agenda is higher than every other agenda your priorities are higher than every other priority your blood is higher than every other blood and your program is higher than every other program you are the lord of all we acknowledge you this evening and we worship you now lord we ask that in this couple of days that we are going to spend together in your presence you will establish this in our hearts and through us you will establish it upon the world in the name of jesus christ thank you heavenly father in jesus name we have prayed amen and amen amen praise the lord okay uh, i'd like to welcome you thank you very much uh, music ministers i'd like to welcome all of you again to dpc divine priorities convention and this evening by the grace of god i'd like us to begin by looking at what i call first things first so that's the title of what we will be looking at this evening first things first hallelujah now i want to say in by way of beginning that there is a biblical basis for talking about divine priorities there is a biblical basis for talking about divine priorities there are certain things that when you hear initially you may think that some people are just trying to speak some big grammar no no please no that is not what this is about and for us to establish that we must find a biblical basis for whatever we are saying so there is a sound and solid biblical basis established by god himself and established by the master himself for focusing on divine priorities because indeed there are divine priorities god has priorities and there's something i call the law of priorities the law of priorities means that the priority is the thing that is the most important and when you miss a priority, you miss everything. In fact, it is the priority that gives meaning to the whole. The priority provides meaning for the whole. If there is no priority, then the rest are without meaning and they are without direction. The law of priority states that when you attend to the priority the rest of the things will generally fall in line. But if you miss the priority, nothing can come together because the thing that we hold them together, the thing that will provide direction for them, the thing that will make the whole thing functional is absent. That is why priorities are crucial. Priorities set direction when you have determined that something is a priority it consumes resources apart from determining direction 
priorities also determine their location of resources. That is why you will notice that there is a fight for the allocation of our national resources to what the different interest groups consider as priorities. Security, for instance, consumes a huge amount of the budgets of many nations because as far as they are concerned, that is a huge priority, especially if you are living in the midst of enemies. Education consumes a large chunk of resources because it's a priority. Priorities determine policy. It's, 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 you may, it's a question of like the chicken and the egg, which one came first? Priority and policy. Because you can also argue that policies set priorities. But in a sense, it is priority that will inform a policy. Are you following that? It's because something is important that those that are the policy makers will now set that thing that is important as a priority and then allocate resources and attention to execute the priority. What this means is that if you miss the priority, then the thing cannot endure. The thing cannot function because there is nothing to hold it together. And let me say at the beginning, this is the very beginning of DPC. Let me say at the beginning that it is our conviction. It is our solid, unshakable conviction that things are the way they are in our lives and in the body of Christ because we are not attending to the divine priorities. This is a, it's a burden. You see, this program is not just a gathering of people. It's a burden. It's, it's a burden, a cry of the Spirit to cause the people of God to listen to what is important to God. I mean, it sounds so basic. But as we continue in this couple of days, our hope is that we will just come to a realization that this is our problem in the body of Christ. Let me give you an example. If the preachers are preaching something other than the divine priorities, God's people will be led in a different direction. I said, if the pulpit is preaching and hammering and announcing and emphasizing something that is number seven or number ten on God's agenda, on God's program, then obviously, you are now moving the entire body of Christ in the direction of this uh, uh, quaternary item on the agenda. So you see that even the allocation of human and material resources by the body of Christ will be determined by our perception of the divine priorities. Even in a local church, the priorities that are understood and pursued by the leaders of that local assembly will determine what is going to happen to the members of that assembly whether they are going to become servants of God or they are going to end up their lives as church members you see as a pastor you have a choice to raise ministers of the gospel or you have a choice to maintain church members. 
you have a choice to raise disciples or you have a choice to multiply members. And the trouble that we have in the body of Christ right now is that we have a lot of church members, but we don't have enough disciples of Jesus Christ. And the greatest principle of discipleship is that a disciple cannot have a priority that is different from his master's priority. <laughs> there can be no discipleship where this, the disciple, the mathetes, the pupil, has an agenda and a program and a priority that is more important than that of his master. It, that is a joke. It, it, is, it's, it can't, it's, not, it's unthinkable. So the law of priorities requires that if you don't attend to a priority, there will be consequences. You see, there are certain things that you can ignore without consequences. You cannot ignore a priority without consequences. If you have an exam as a student, postgraduate exam or an undergraduate exam, and there is one question that carries 60 marks, and there are four questions that carry 10, 10 marks each. Now you ignored the one question that carries 60 marks. And you wrote excellently in these four, four questions that have 10, 10 marks each. You have already failed the exam. Obviously you have failed because there is no way you are going to get 10 over 10 over 10 over 10 in four places. To get 40%. So by ignoring the priority you have made your entire effort useless. And I want to be very bold to say something to you this evening. Elders and servants of God in the house. I want to say to you that if you miss the divine priorities, you have wasted your life. That's how serious it is. To live your life and then when earth gives way, and we stand before God in eternity. When time gives way to eternity, you now stand before God and realize that you were focused on something else other than what is uppermost on the heart of God. Then you will realize that you wasted your life. There are some statements that we are making now that will be proven in eternity. They sound as if they are not true. But when the veil is eventually taken away and all of us stand before God, you will realize that anybody, the definition of a wasted life is a life that is not focused on divine priorities. That is a wasted life. Because the question will be, what did you do with your life? If you didn't pour out your one life. Now, some of us are familiar with the singularity of life. You don't have two lives. There is nobody that has a Xerox copy of life that you have put in a folder somewhere and then you are doing experiment with this one life. It's only one life we have. This is something that has settled in my heart. I am not coming back here. Every one of us, we are like candles. And you see, the candle is long when you light it. Is that not correct? But when the candle starts burning, it starts burning down. It starts burning down. That process is irreversible. 
you can't except you get another candle or you get some wax but that particular candle is coming down that is a picture of one life and to spend one life on something other than what is important to your maker it means you wasted your life because the question will be what okay if you didn't spend your life doing what is important to god then what did you use it for that would be the question so the law of priorities requires that you you attend to the priorities or there will be consequences those consequences are not necessarily negative if you attend to priorities properly there will be positive consequences if you neglect priorities there will be negative unavoidable consequences blessed be the name of jesus christ now the next thing i want to mention is that priorities are not arbitrary there are what i call sources of priorities so what are the sources you see because <laughs> you you can't just say that something is a priority arbitrarily there is a reason why that thing is a priority who sets who or what determines priority a priority can arise because of an exigency a need are you following that eh? a, a major need comes out so that need becomes a priority there are emergencies that can dictate priorities are you following that but those of us who are familiar with uh, management you know theories and time allocation time management you know that quadrant that uh, that they normally draw eh are you familiar anybody familiar with that quadrant what do you have on one side what do you have on one side what do you have on one side urgent and important and then what do you have on this side important but not urgent what do you have on this side <laughs> urgent but not important so in which quadrant are you supposed to spend your life it is in the quadrant that is important but not urgent that is where you should major because if you major on that quadrant you'll be taking care of things before they become emergencies does this make some sense now now if something is urgent of course you have to attend to it because it could threaten other things what i'm trying to say is that there are different determinants of priorities i don't want to go into that but the greatest determinant this is my understanding uh, this is Thorsey's Brother Ferdinand, and I have biblical basis for it. The greatest determinant of priority is authority. Priorities are set by authorities. In fact, from looking at scripture, I see that we have pictures of diverse relationships that we have with god as children of god there are different pictures of the relationship that we have with god let me mention a few of them and you understand what i'm saying number one he is our creator and we are his creatures is that correct number two he is our father and we are his children number three he is our master and we are his servants. Number four is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. 
Number five is our redeemer and we are the redeemed. Notice, notice that all of these are pictures of the different relationships that we have with God. Something that is common to all of these pictures of these relationships is authority. The creator has authority over his creatures. The father has authority over his children. Notice I use the word children. The reason is because when people become adults, naturally speaking, their parents don't exert and should not exert too much authority over them. I have a problem with parents, Christian parents, who try to determine who their children should marry, even though those people that their children are bringing are believers. I think that it is evil for a Christian parent to refuse his daughter to marry another Christian brother because they are not from the same tribe. I think that it is evil. And there are some brethren that are facing it. There are brethren that are facing that. I do not believe, some people say, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's what the Bible said. He didn't say adults, obey your parents in the Lord. The Greek word for that scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 is technon. And technon means child, child, a minor, a child that is under authority. Parents have no right to control the lives of their adult children. This is the truth. I was in a church and I, I, I heard the story of something that happened in the church and I was sad. An adult daughter of the pastor, when I say adult, I mean she must be middle or late 20s or early 30s. She was engaged to marry a brother and somehow two of them fell into immorality. And as God will have it, both of them repented and went and reported themselves. It's not the Holy Spirit that revealed to the pastor that what they did. I don't know if you're getting the point here. They repented and they came and, and asked for counsel and for prayer and confessed their sin. Now, the church not only proceeded to discipline these two people, they now proceeded to discipline the father of the woman who is a pastor. How can you hold a man of God responsible for the behavior of his adult child? Or are you trying to say that even as a father, you are responsible for what your 35-year-old son does? The answer to that is no. People have choices. And you cannot force your child who has become an adult to do something. The window of opportunity that we have as parents is when they are children to so much pour into them that they will travel the direction of the Lord willingly from inside their hearts. Does this make some sense? Now, why I went into that is to say that it is authority that sets priorities. The creator sets priorities for the creatures. For example, it is the creator that determined how creatures, what qualities creatures should have. Our constitution is the way it is because our creator made us like that. We can walk around because our creator gave us legs. We can reproduce because he made it possible. We can think because he made it possible. So even our constitution, which is dictated by the creator, impacts on our priorities. 
if the creator meant that human beings would be meat, he would have made us differently. Maybe we will not be rational. We will not have the capacity for rational thought like a chicken has. Or like a chicken lacks, rather. Okay. Now, when authority has set a priority, when, for example, look at companies. Who sets the priorities in companies, in the corporate world? It is the authority. It is the board that determines which direction the company is going to go. It is the board that determines what is important to the company. It is the boss that says, this is the direction we are going as a firm, as a company. It is authority that sets priorities. And even if you look at the local church, it is those that are in authority that determine the priorities that will be pursued by a church. Let me give you an example. Um, the late uh, elder statesman, Oswald Smith, many of us will have read some of his books, Passion for Souls, and some of those books that are not very common these days. <laughs> Oswald Smith was a pastor, was the founder of the People's Church, the People's Temple in Toronto, in Canada. And most of the money that came into the church was going to global missions. Because that was where the heart of the founding pastor was. But there are other churches because the pastor or the leaders do not have a global vision. They don't have a vision that is larger than the four walls where they are located, most of their resources are spent on themselves. Does this, does this make some sense? It is authority that determines priorities. And when you agree with the priority that is set by the relevant authority, you are acknowledging the wisdom of that authority. Some of the things I'm saying, don't worry. They will make sense. But just, just keep following the, 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 the trend. We want to build, you see, we want, to, we want to build a case that God has priorities that believers must attend to. That is, that is the summary of what we are dealing with this period. Authority sets priority. And when you acknowledge the priority that has been set by an authority, you are acknowledging the wisdom of that authority figure. Let me give you an example. A prominent man of God in the US, the daughter woke up in the middle of the night and said, Daddy, I'm going for a party. She's still a minor. You understand my point? She's not a big lady that is living by herself. And the father says, no, you're not going for a party this night. I'm not aware of it. Which party are you going for? No, we do not do that in this house. And the a scuffle broke out because the girl insisted that she must go for her party. A scuffle broke out and she ended up calling the police for her father. Obviously, obviously, she has no respect for the authority of her father. Who told her that you cannot go out this night? When you honor a priority, you are honoring the authority that sets the priority. Now, if you are a man that is under authority, it is criminal for you to have your own priority when the authority above you has already set a priority. 
It's like having two captains in a boat. Can you imagine that a man that has a slave and you know we, it's difficult for us to understand the concept of slavery in its actual sense but a slave was a property. He was not a person. Uh, did you understand what I said? Even in the Bible, shockingly, if a man got angry and did be on the slave and the slave lost the two eyes, the Bible said the only thing that the master will do is to allow him to go. He cannot be held liable for making him to go blind. Even if he killed his slave and it was not intentional, maybe out of anger, you didn't kill him. It was his slave. His slave was slaves were bought and sold on the market. I don't know, did you hear what I said? I'm not, if you know how they sell goat and cow, they put, and they will find a muscular slave and then they will put him there. And white people will be prizing him. Did you understand? That was slavery. So now imagine that a man has a slave. Then the man has a priority. And then his slave has a different priority. That is different from his master's priority. Is that thinkable? No, do you notice how, how, how incongruous out of is that you can't imagine that it's unthinkable subjects cannot have a priority that is different from the priority of their king remember that we have several relationships with god do you remember that he's our father and we are his children he's our maker we are the works of his hands he's our king and we are his subjects a subject cannot have priorities that are different from the priorities of the king you cannot, can you imagine that a Yoruba Oba hundred years ago, the Oba of Ibad, of uh, where? The Oba of, uh, of, of Ife, the Oni of Ife, eh, sent for you. I'm talking about the Oni hundred years ago. The Oni sent for you. And you told me, say, please tell the Oni to wait. Eh? I'm going to market when I come back. <laughs> All the Yoruba people in church now, they know the absurdity, the, the madness of what I'm talking about. It is crazy. You, you, you won't be alive to reach the market. I don't know if you're getting what I'm talking about now. You will not be alive. Which legs will carry, to which markets are you going to? Because even the market belongs to the king. Which market? A friend of mine told me a story that sent chills down my spine. In researching kingdoms, I spent some time to talk with Yorubas because the, in Nigeria, the Yorubas are among the people that have an understanding of kingdoms because they have been ruled by kings that resemble the kings of the Bible. And this brother told me a story. My friend told me that long ago, there was a Yoruba Oba and this Oba married a new wife and this wife it was her day to take care of the king so i think you know where the king was bathing she was you know cleaning him up rubbing him on the back and this king is a smallish 
Paulish kind of king, you know. <laughs> you know, Paul means little. The king was smallish in stature. So, as she was ministering to the king, she said to him, <laughs> is that, this is you? So, this is you. Why are they so afraid of you? What is it that makes them <laughs> so afraid of you? <laughs> you like this. So, the king laughed. The king laughed. The king said, don't worry. I will show you why people are afraid of me. So later that day in the evening, they called this Olori, this wife, and they said, the king has a message for you. So she came, and they gave her a calabash. When she opened the calabash, the head of her mother was inside the calabash. They gave her a second calabash. The head of her father was inside the calabash. And then the king said, that is why people are afraid of me. Now imagine that that kind of king has an agenda and you are his subject. Imagine that that king said, tomorrow all the people in my kingdom will be gathering together before the king because they will be going to farm on the king's farm. Everybody come with your hoe. Tomorrow is the day for doing the king's farm. And then you a subject of the king. You said, um, no, my son is wedding tomorrow. My son is wedding. In fact, how can the king fix his farm tomorrow when I've already fixed my wedding? You and your son and the wedding and the bride, something will happen to you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I can give you examples all over the Bible. When Jonah shouted on the streets of Nineveh, and Jonah said, 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Just yet 40 days. Notice that Jonah didn't tell anybody to repent. That's a different sermon. But just notice that when the king of Nineveh heard that sermon, the king of Nineveh proclaimed a fast. For how many days? For how many days? Who remembers? Three days. The man said, nobody must eat or drink anything, whether you are a human being or you are an animal. I don't know if you are following the matter here now. You, I want you to listen to what is going on. He said, everybody in my domain is going to do what? Is going to fast, including animals. Now, this was a sudden announcement. So, people have already fixed their programs for the next three days. There are some people who are getting married within the next three days. There are some people who are, who are having a dinner, a birthday party, or some other celebration. Now, what is going to happen in Nineveh? What's going to happen to your marriage that you have planned? What will happen to your program that you have planned? What about the goat that is so hungry that the goat wants to eat? What happened to the goat? Even the animals found out that there was an authority over their head. Can you imagine that Nebuchadnezzar, Nebu, Nebu, the Nebu that you read about in the Bible? I can't describe Nebu this night. But imagine that the Nebu that can hit a furnace seven times because somebody refused to do what Nebu said. Do you know the story? They came and told Nebuchadnezzar that there are some boys in your kingdom. That will not bow down when you say people should bow down. Nebu said, We are. They say in Babylon. 
He said, who? They said, there are some three Hebrew boys. Nebu said, they are not even proper Babylonians. Did you say Hebrew? People that I carried from their country and I brought here to buy. We mean Babylonians are bowing down. It is some Hebrew boys that are refusing to bow down. Bring them. And when they came before Nebu, Nebu asked a question. Nebu said, is it true? Is it true? The, look, I read that those three words. He sent shivers into my spine. Is it true? Did I hear correctly that I have a program and you refuse to cooperate with my agenda? I trembled because I can hear on the last day when the eternal Jehovah, the God that created Nebuchadnezzar and sent him to go and eat grass, when human beings are going to stand before him and the God of heaven will ask a question he will say, is it true that I sent my son to die on the cross and after he died for you, you refused to repent from your sin? Is it true? Authority sets priority. And anybody that calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ already has his life priorities set. The only decision you have, you have to make is whether you are going to listen to the master or whether eventually you will find out that you never belong to him. Because as far as the king is concerned, his only subjects are those that are subject to his priorities. That's why they are called subjects. Because they are what? They are subject to his rule. It is authority that sets priority. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Servants of the Lord Jesus Christ have no right to do last what Jesus said that they should do first. I said a servant or a disciple of Jesus Christ has no right to do second or last something that Jesus said he should do first. And when a person who has authority says that something must come first, if the person has the authority to say that, you don't have the authority to question it. Let me give you a simple example. Look at elections in Nigeria. The INEC chairman, and everybody was doing giddy, 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 giddy for election. Some days before the election, the chairman of the Independent National Electoral Commission, Professor Atahiru Jega, announced to the country that by the powers conferred on him as the chairman of INEC, he was postponing the elections. What did everybody do? What did everybody do? Did you hear that anybody took him to court? Why didn't they go to court? Because both the ruling party and the opposition knew that the man had the power to do what? To do what he did. And thank God that he did it. Thank God that he did it. It's one of the answers to prayer. One of the ways that God answered our prayers for Nigeria. That's authority. So authority sets priorities. Now, so what I want us to do for the rest of this evening 
what I want us to do for the rest of this evening is for us to now look at what I call biblical indicators of divine priorities. Biblical indicators of divine priorities. And now we are going to read scriptures. We are going to read you may say, oh, but Fernand has not read the Bible yet. We will. We are going to read plenty of scriptures now. So that we can establish the biblical indicators of divine priorities. Number one indicator of priorities in scripture is the order of arrangements or instructions. The order of arrangements or instructions. The order in which things are arranged, in which things are stated, in which things are instructed, they indicate priority. So let us go to Matthew chapter 6. And even in that Matthew chapter 6, we will not do a detailed study. But I just want us to establish the fact that the order establishes priority. Matthew chapter 6, we are looking at the Lord's Prayer. Now, from verses 9 to uh, 13. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive our debtors or those who have trespassed against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, in this passage of scripture, in this hierarchy of prayers, please look at the prayer in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this group of requests and the next group of requests, give us this day our daily bread. Which one is more important from this, this, this scripture? Which one is more important? Is it our daily bread or his name? Eh? the hallowing of his name is more important than our daily bread. The coming of his kingdom, of his government, over lives and over systems and over nations is more important than our daily bread. In fact, the purpose of the daily bread is so that it will strengthen us to hallow his name. The purpose of the daily bread is that it will strengthen us to seek his kingdom. The purpose of the daily bread is so that it will help us to do his will. Excuse me, why are you eating if not that you are eating to do the will of the king? Why are you, what is the purpose of believers eating? If your eating does not contribute to doing the will of the king, are you here to eat? Is that why you were made? Is that why Jesus bought us on the cross of Calvary? So that we can eat. He said, but Paul said, let us eat and drink. For tomorrow, what's going to happen now? We shall die. He said, wake up from your foolishness, you stupid Corinthians. 
Clear your eyes. Some of you don't have the knowledge of God. And I say this to your shame. That's what Paul told the Corinthians. Now, notice that the order of the prayer automatically tells, Jesus didn't begin this prayer with, even forgive us our trespasses. Now, listen. Do you know that it was because we didn't hallow his name? It was because his kingdom was not in place. It was because we were not doing his will. That's how we accumulated trespasses. What is the source of our trespasses? If not a, 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 a lack of attention to those initial components. So even if he forgave our trespasses and we didn't attend to his name being hallowed and we didn't attend to his government and his kingdom coming in our lives and we didn't attend to his will being done no matter the cost we will accumulate more iniquities. The prayer doesn't start with forgive us our iniquities. You think, you think iniquity is important. Listen, iniquity is a byproduct of the lack of his kingdom. It is because he is not in charge that there are iniquities. Actually, the word translated iniquity is better translated lawlessness. For example, when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he said, depart from me, you that walk iniquity. A better, more accurate translation is you that practice lawlessness. The New Living Translation in that verse of the Bible says, I don't know you. Your deeds, we are unauthorized. Your deeds, we are not authorized. So what, what the Bible calls sin is the doing of anything that is not authorized by the will of God. That is sin. That is sin. So notice that the order in which the prayer is outlined, in which the instruction is given, automatically indicates priority. I can show you other examples, but I think that that is enough for that. Number two indicator of priority in scripture are comparative terms comparative terms terms that are comparative for example when you say it is better one version said one verse of the bible in the book of proverbs said okay jesus the master said it is better for you that a rope was tied around your neck and you are tied to one of these massive Julius Beggar stones and then dropped in the middle of the ocean than that you should make one of these little ones that believe in me to do what? To stumble. He is telling you that this thing is so serious that you, you don't want to pay the price. Don't try it. For example, the Bible said better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. In other words, as far as God is concerned, it is better that you have 10,000 naira that was gotten righteously than that you have 10 million that does not have righteousness inside. In other words, the priority for God there now is not the money. It is the what? It is the righteousness. How is that indicated? By the comparative term, better. 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 
He said, a dinner of vegetables is better than a house that is full of strife. And they have chicken and turkey and all kinds of meat on the table. They say it is better. God said it is better for you to eat a loaf of green spinach. Eat it alone in the night and go to sleep than for you to live in a house where there is no peace. So what is the priority there? The priority is not the kind of food that you are getting, getting to eat, but the quietness and the peace, hallelujah, that you enjoy. So notice that the comparative term tells you the one that is the priority. Matthew chapter 23. After comparative terms, there is just one more and we draw to a close. Matthew chapter 23. First things first. First things first. Have you seen Matthew 23? I want you to note Matthew 23 and let us look at verse 23. Uh, can you help me to put up verse 23 up on the board? Um, our media brethren. Thank you. Matthew 23. Okay. Please, let's all read together. Once you go. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites you give a tent of your spices mint deal and cumin but you have neglected the what now you see the niv calls it the more important more important that is comparative eh? important more important most important those are comparative terms but the king james uses the word weightier Weightier, huh? Can you put up? Ah, good, thank you very much. He said, You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and you have omitted the weightier, weightier, weightier matters of the law. What does the word weightier connote? It connotes comparison. So, what Jesus is saying here is everything in the law is weighty. But some are weightier. You see, once you say weightier, you are not talking about lightness. You are talking about weight. Does that make sense? So now you are, you are dealing with weight. So all of them in the law, they have weight. But some of them are weightier than others. <laughs> I want you to listen. Everything in your Bible is important. But everything in the Bible is not as important as each other. But Fernanda, are you trying to minimize some parts of the Bible? No, 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 no. I already said that they are weighty. But some are weightier than others. Let me give you an example. There are certain things that determine your material prosperity on planet Earth. Is that true or false? But there are certain things that determine your eternal welfare. Your state for all eternity. All of them are in the Bible. Now, if you pay attention to to uh, tighten to the tightening of and now I want you to see what the, today's church is doing now from the preachings and the teachings that you hear in the church let's look at this verse according to Jesus what are the weightier more important matters in the book what are they he says judgment actually the better word is justice justice 
Does today's church pay attention to justice and injustice? Does the church preach justice? Both the justice of God. Do you know that it is because of the justice of God that Jesus had to die on the cross? So that our price will be paid and then we can be set free. It was the divine justice that sent Jesus to the cross. But Paul said, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are just, 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 does today's church preach about justice? Even justice inside the body of Christ and justice in society. Does the church care about justice? Now, what's the next thing there? Mercy, mercy, compassion, compassion. Does your pastor preach more about compassion and mercy? Than he preaches on tithes and offering. And then the last one there is faith. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Does the average pastor on our pulpit today. Are they preaching faithfulness in the heart of the people of God? Faithfulness in conduct and in our relationships. Faithfulness. Faithfulness trustworthiness that means that you can be counted upon you can be depended upon people can trust you with money they can allow young ladies around you and there will be no stories faithfulness do our preachers are they talking faithfulness now so notice just from this scripture which one is weightier they tell you that without if you don't bring your tights life will be tight for you they say pay your tight or else life will be what? Tight. Very tight. The devourer will come to your house. That thing you refuse to give to God, the devil will collect it. In fact, they could even kill you. But what do they say about justice? What do they say about mercy? Mercy. 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 The mercy of God. The tenderness, the compassion that marks a believer. What do they say about being faithful? That's why we are raising a generation of crooks inside church. Church members that cannot be trusted with money. But they speak in tongues. And they play in the choir. Choir members that are sleeping with, with, with each other. But they are singing. They are worshipping. And they are tithing. Since that is the priority of the pastor. That is what the pastor gets. Because the priority is tithing. I have noticed that most of our preaching now is not aimed at people. It is aimed at problems. There is a big difference. Most of the preaching that we are preaching is problems. We are preaching problems. We are preaching about people's enemies. But the thing is not aimed at the individual. It is not aimed to kill the man so that the life of God can come out. It is not aimed to end your being in charge so that Jesus can take over. As Lord and Master, practically on a daily basis, we are preaching at problems. Wait here. So notice that comparative terms indicate priority. The final indicator of priority, which is where I'm going to close tonight, is the word first. First. <laughs> that word first. Anywhere you read the word first, you are dealing with priority. 
Because first means first. He means the one that comes ahead of every other. And you know, I was the Bible is an amazing book. As I was studying, as I was looking at this thing, I saw the many, 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 many firsts that Jesus Christ taught. That the word of God taught. So the first thing there is what I call the priority of divine initiative. The priority of divine initiative. What did the Bible say? He said, we love him because he did what? I, I didn't hear some of you. We love him because what happened? He first loved us. That is the divine initiative. The reason we can do something is because God did something. The priority of the divine initiative. If God does not do something, nobody can do anything. Jesus said, my father is working until now. Therefore, what do I do now? Therefore, I am working. We give because he gave to us. We live because he gave us life. We are saved because he paid the price. We love because he first loved us. The reason is that we are bankrupt without his deposit. I said we are what? Bankrupt without his what? If God does not put anything in your account, you are bankrupt. Where, we, where can we get anything from? It is out of his fullness, hallelujah, that all of us have received grace upon grace. So, from that scripture, you see the priority of the divine initiative. Number two, the priority of God and his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Please put it, put it up in the Amplified Translation. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Notice the word first. That's what we are looking at as we draw to a close. Have you seen? Let's, let's read together. But seek, aim at, and strive after. What does he say there now? First of all. First of all. Now, this is our master who is saying this. First of all. Our master is telling us what we are to seek, what we are to aim for, first of all. First of everything else. What are we supposed to seek, sir? He said, seek his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing things and his way of being right. And then all these things taken together, what will happen now? They'll be given to you besides. They will be placed beside. The Greek word there, placed beside, is, is uh, what is that now? I've, it just ran out of my mind. It means to annex, huh? to place beside. Now, the third thing that we see is the priority of loving God. And we are establishing it from the word first. Look at Mark chapter 12. Please put up Mark chapter 12. Seek first the kingdom. This is Jesus speaking. Mark chapter 12 from verse 28. Then one of the scribes came up and listened to them disputing with one another. And noticing that Jesus answered them fitly and admirably. Oh, I like that. Jesus answered them how? Fitly and admirably. He asked him, which commandment is what? First and most important of all. Elite nature. The next verse. Jesus answered, the first and principal one of all the commands is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God out of 
and with your whole heart and out of and with all your soul, all your life and out of and with all your mind, with your faculty of thought and your moral understanding and out of and with all your strength. Excuse me, please. If you do this out of and with all, all of your heart, all of your head, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your life, all of your time and all of your stomach, what is left? There's nothing remaining. And then he says, this is the first and the principal commandment. Question, have we obeyed it? As you look at your heart, can you say that you are walking in the light of this commandment? And it is the first. It is the most important. That's what Jesus said. And then he kept on talking. Eh? And then he gave the second one. He gave the person. Can you put up the... And the second... You see that? that? You see the priority? You see? He's making a list. He said, this is the first and this is the second. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment that is greater than this. One other place he said, on these two commandments, the law and the prophets are hanging. Now, I want you to note the priority of the love of God established by the word First. In that scripture. The next one is the priority of Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. Please help us to put up Colossians 1 and verse 18. I want you to follow what is going on here. This is about Jesus. He also is the head of his body. The church. Seeing that he is the beginning. The what? The firstborn. The first. The firstborn from among the dead. So that he alone in everything. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Somebody in this place. Hallelujah. He alone in how many things? In everything. And in every respect. Hallelujah. He might occupy the chief place. Stand first and be preeminent. Give me a clap of inside this place. This is Jesus. This is the Christ of the Bible. He cannot come second in any respect. He's not interested. That's why those that say Jesus is a prophet and that is all he is to them, you think you are praising him. That is an insult. So that he alone might come first in everything and in every respect. In other words, there is no sphere where he can come second. There is no agenda where you can write his name second. There is no program that can take precedence over his program. There is no plan that can be bigger than his plan. There is nothing that is more important than what he said. Do you know that in the Bible, you don't keep a king waiting? You cannot keep a king waiting. Come and hear Cyrus and come and hear Darius. He said, whatsoever is commanded for the house of the God of heaven. Let it be carried out speedily. 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 When you study those two kings, you will hear the word. When Nebuchadnezzar said they should throw the boys into the fire, the Bible said the command of the king was so urgent. That is the command of the king. Where the word of the king is, there is power. You can't keep him waiting. You can't keep him waiting. If you are his subject, you can't keep him waiting. Can 
about our president, His Excellency, President Muhammad Buhari, you were told that he's looking for you. That he parked the car outside and he's waiting for you. And are you going to say, tell him that Brother Ferdinand is preaching. When we finish preaching, I will come. Is that what you are going to say? You should take permission from God and go and answer him. So that we can finish our church service. <laughs> you don't understand authority. If he shuts down National Hospital and locks up the door, you can't come here. You can't keep him waiting. What is Jesus Christ to you? What does it sound like in your head? What kind of Jesus is this that we have in the church? We are our own programs and our own plans and our own projects are more important than what he said. What kind of savior is this? And then we wonder why we are the way we are. Uh, brothers and sisters, we are far away from the, from the disciples of the Bible. We are far away. We are far, we are far away from the disciples of the Bible. We are far away from the church that we read in scripture. We are far away. We are far away. Which kind of Jesus is this we are worshipping? That we say something and church members have another opinion. Is he your master? The next priority we see is the priority of God's family. Look what Jesus said to the woman, Mark chapter 7 27. You remember the woman that was uh, the Syrophoenician woman, Mark 7 27. And he said to her, Jesus said to the woman, What did he tell the woman? First, let the children be what? Be fed. For it is not correct, it's not becoming or proper to take the right, it's not right to take what belongs to the children of the house and to give it to the little house dogs. The children are more important than strangers. The house of God is more important than those that are outside it. The brethren, the brotherhood is more important than your blood relations. He said, do good to all men. Then what did you hear next? Especially, especially they from your village. Those are from your, from your, from your clan. The one people from your tribe. He said, no, especially they that are of the household of faith. I believe I was practicing that. The next priority we see is the priority of personal application of the truth. Luke chapter 6 verse 42. Luke 6 42. Please quickly because thank you very much. Everybody look up there. He said, or oh, how can you say to your brother, 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 Allow me to take out the speck that is in your eye. When you yourself, you do not see the beam that is located where? In your own eye. Then Jesus said, you actor, you pretender, you hypocrite. First, do what? Take the beam out of your own eye. Apply the truth to your own life. Ah, please pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I don't want to preach to other people and go to hell. Pray for me. I don't want to be so busy being a preacher that I forget to be a Christian. Pray for me. First, remove the beam that is in your own eye. Let the truth work in your own life. First. And then, what is going to happen? You will now see clearly to do what? To help your brother to take out the speck. So you see, the one in my eye, Jesus calls it a beam. 
the one in my brother's eye, he calls it a speck. So as far as God is concerned, the one in my eye, I should deal with this one in my eye before I, I can start pointing accusing fingers at people. I need help with my own life. And those that reject this priority, there will be consequences. That was Balaam's problem. You read the Bible, the Bible says, and the, and the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. Up like three or four times. And the word put a word in his mouth. I was really asking, why is this word going straight to Balaam's mouth? I thought the Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart. What happens now? The mouth speaks. Balaam was not speaking from the abundance of his heart. He was speaking words that came to his mouth. He perished. And many of us preachers, we are in the same danger right now. The word of God is bypassing our hearts and bypassing our own lives and jumping into our mouth. And we are preaching it. Do you know that everything that Balaam preached was correct? When we quote Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken and will he not do it? Has he promised and will he not make it good? He has given commandment to bless and he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. You are quoting prophet Balaam. But the man that preached that is in hell. How did that happen? He prophesied about Christ. He preached sound gospel. But he himself perished because the word of God never dealt with the covetousness inside the man's heart. As he was preaching this good something, there was covetousness inside his heart. On the backside, he was advising Balak. How to, how to make the children of Israel to commit immorality and then God will fight them so that he can collect his money. The priority of personal application of the truth. Now, notice another priority. The priority of process. The priority of process. I will mention a few more and we'll draw to a close. Mark chapter 4 verse 28. Mark chapter 4 verse 28. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He says it's like a seed. Please just backtrack to verse 26 or 27. And he said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed where? Upon the ground. And then continues sleeping and rising night and day. Why the seed does what? Sprouts and grows and increases. He does not know how. Yes. And then the earth produces. Acting by itself. What's the first thing that comes out there? He said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. This is the process of fruitfulness. He said, first of all, you take the seed, you plant it. Then the thing begins to sprout. It develops roots. And then it produces first this, then this, then this. Jesus is teaching that there is a process that every seed will pass through before it can produce anything. But today's church does not preach process. We are an instant church. Instant church. There's a church in Joss. It's called the God of now, now. There's one in Lagos. It's called Jehovah Sharp, Sharp. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. These are names of churches. It's, we are an instant church pandering to an instant generation. We are not interested in process. 
For you to come to a strong man's house and plunder his goods. What did Jesus say you must do? You first, you do what? You bind the strong man. And then you can now take whatever you like. You don't just come there and start collecting anything. There is a process. Each of these priorities, we can study them individually, but we don't have the time. There is, we don't have the time. There is a process for ultimate salvation. He said, we belong to Christ and we are partakers of Christ if we hold fast the first confidence that we had in him, firm until the end. The priority of interpersonal relationships. Jesus Christ said, if you are going to offer your sacrifice at the altar and then you remember that your brother has something against you, what did he say? It's in Matthew chapter 5 verse 24. He said, leave your gift at the altar and then go. First, do what? Make peace with your brother and then come back and present your gift. That's the priority. What God is saying is, I am more interested in your relationship with people than the gift and the offering you are bringing here. The word is first. First. This is Jesus. You know, I thought the only first that Jesus talked about was seek first the kingdom of God. But I now saw that no, there are plenty. The priority of the call of Christ. Oh, he said to somebody, he said, become my disciple, follow me. Luke chapter 9, verse 59. Luke 9 and verse 59, please. I want you to read this. Eh? And he said to another, become my disciple. Side with my party. Accompany me. But then the man replied, what did he say? He said, Lord, permit me first to go and do what? To go and bury. Await the death of my father. <laughs> Jesus said, you, you first? I put you first by coming down from heaven, leaving my throne, to come and die for you on the cross. And you are, you are, you are going to put something first ahead of me? Get away from here, you cannot be my disciple. Keep going, verse 60. But Jesus said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. Excuse me, if Jesus told you that about your father's funeral, how would you feel? Imagine that your father's body was in the mortuary and you took permission that you want to go and bury your father and Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. What will you do? You see, what I'm saying now, it looks as if and it looks like a crazy statement. But Jesus made it. He told somebody. Who wanted to go and bury his father? He said, leave the dead to bury their dead. So this man was not going to be at his father's funeral because Jesus is more important than your father's funeral. I didn't hear you say amen, no. Oh, 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 oh I didn't hear you say amen. <laughs> or is, excuse me, is your father's funeral more important than Jesus Christ? I, no, no, these things I'm preaching, they are not popular. They are not popular, but just read your Bible. Recheck your Bible for yourself. Now, look at verse 61. Put the next verse. I want you to please follow this thing. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, and become your disciple and side with your party. But let me first, first. You see, the trouble that God has with people is not with what you seek. It is with what you seek first. There's nothing wrong with burying your father. There's nothing wrong with saying bye-bye to the people in your house. But the problem is that you are putting it first. That's the trouble. There's nothing wrong with a house or a car or something good. An aeroplane is nothing. It's a means of transport. If God gives it to you, enjoy it. But when you put it first, 
you have a problem with God, you have a problem. You have a problem. Now, this is the penultimate one. The priority of intercession. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. First Timothy 2 1. Thank you, sir. First Timothy 2 1. Look at what the Bible said. Everybody, can we all read? Everybody, please, I need to hear you. Help me. First of all, then, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of how many people? Of all men. That's level one. Intercession for all men. Petitions. What is the most important petition we can make for a man? It is that that man will come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Is this our primary prayer point in the church? Now, verse 2. Put the verse 2. Notice the next thing. For kings and for all those who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, so that outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. The final priority, the priority of the heart. Matthew 23. Please go back to Matthew 23. This is, this is the final first. And that's where we brought it close. Have you seen Matthew 23? From verse 25, please. Put it from verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you make clean. Where do they make clean? The outside of the cup and of the platter. But within, within, inside, in the heart, what are they like? You see, you are full of extortion and excess. Yes? You blind Pharisee. You blind Pharisee that cannot see priorities. What are you supposed to do first? First, do what? Clean the outside, the inside. Can you put in a simpler translation, brother? Simple NIV or, okay, good. He said, first, clean the inside of the cup and of the plate. So that what is going to happen now? So that the outside may be clean also. The priority of the heart. The priority, the danger of dealing with externals. And we never deal with our hearts. Friends, tonight we have begun to see that there is a biblical basis for establishing divine priorities. There is a biblical basis for something that is more important to God. And God has not left us to be guessing as to what is more important to him on his agenda. And what decision we have to make tonight is, are we going to ask mercy from God so that we can line up with his priorities? Are we going to continue business as usual? Number two is, which of these priorities can we notice in our lives where we need help? And we want to cry to God tonight. And we are saying to God, God, my heart, help my heart. Help my heart. My heart is not correct. My heart is not correct. My heart is not correct. There is something wrong with me inside. Outside, people cannot see the matter, but I, I am not well inside. My heart is not correct. Is there something else that is competing for first place in our hearts? and say, allow me first. Jesus said, no, 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 that's not acceptable. 
He said, any of you here that want to build, build a tower, will you not first of all sit down and do what? And count the cost. You see, the priority of a, of a considered deliberate decision. It's not just out of the blues. I want to build a tower. I want to follow Jesus. He said, no. Sit down first of all and do what? And count the cost. Whether you want to have me as your master. Whether you want to have me as Lord over your life. As we go to God in prayer this evening, I want to beg you, can we respond to God briefly in prayer? And let us pray just two major prayers. And the prayers are number one, Father, I want to I want to live for what is important to you. The second one, which we are going to pray first, is any of these priorities that we are noticing tonight, where we need help, can we call upon God? Let us begin with that. Let us begin with that. Let's rise up on our feet to pray. Just begin to call upon God and say to God, if it's your heart, if it's an attitude of your heart, anger that is inside immorality that is hidden away filthiness something that is not correct inside jesus said outside you look okay but inside there is bitterness there is murmuring there is grumbling there is fault finding inside there is this thing that is filthy